hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Hello, Mr. Mark Rawlins. Hello. How are you today? Yep, fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a fucking interview, you know. Okay, so... I wasn't expecting you to ask me that. So, um, okay, so for the role of uh, co-host on this podcast, what, what do you think you could bring to the role? Um, I can try and sing the theme tune. Oh, okay. It will go ahead. <laughs> um, oh, no, I can't. No, do you know what? I can't sing. <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> I really want to sing, but I just can't do it. Okay. Oh, I see. What you, you actually, like, you're tone deaf. You can't sing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I didn't mean that quite as bluntly as right. that came out. Sorry. This is episode three of The Three Doctors. I'm tone deaf. <laughs> and, uh... and I'm very rude. <laughs> Should we go in? <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Oh yeah, right. I've got a press Otherwise, play. it will literally just be another three minutes of you and me bantering about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> in five, boom, four, boom, three, two, one, go. And we're off. Omega, our goal. Okay, so this is this is the first appearance of Omega. In this one? Yeah, we've not seen him yet. Contact. What, do you mean like generally in the whole of Doctor Who or this story? Uh, in this story. He wasn't yeah. in the last episode, was he? Oh, no, I think he's just watching on a screen and going, hmm, how intriguing. Yeah, we've not seen the full Omega yet. Sorry, I the made full. it sound very camp then. <laughs> I rather like the look of that Benton. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, that's right, the building in the black hole. Oh, of course, yeah. So I have a question for you about ambition. Not your own personal ambition, but uh, the ambition of Doctor Who, i.e., do you think Doctor Who should attempt to realise enormous concepts like an entire building going into a black hole, or do you think they should only attempt to realise, you know, like stay on safe ground? Uh, No, I think they should... Uh, be ambitious but get the balance right get the barrelettes balance right the common sense well this of, is this is a barrelette story well yeah and, and you know and they but they have so that unit going through space that's fine that shot i'm you know you just need to get the costume designers just to work a bit harder that's all that's true so <laughs> you know how do you it, i think it, the, you've got the ambition here and yeah, it's not. It's, I'm not saying it's terrible, but you know they're obviously doing what they can within the budget and time. Yeah. But you know, sometimes it just doesn't work. Or you know, you've got all these sets and everything. Just turn the lights down a little bit. Light it a bit differently. You know, you have um, as a movie with a bigger budget, this would be extraordinary, wouldn't it? But you, it's so bright here. You just need a little. You know, you need some coloured light or darker lights or, or something. Yeah. And it would fix a lot of problems. It's um, you see. I'm I've just been really. Crit- I don't want to be so critical. No, all the time. no, well, no. You should always be honest about it, though. Like, like, don't say no. Nice I'm not saying like, I don't enjoy it or anything. I'm just saying, oh, I just wish. Yeah. You know, like, see, they're coming through this here. I mean, I think this is a bit of blue screen or something. It looks a bit funny there. But why is this corner just this grey blank corner? Why not paint something on there or no, or add something else? Or have something moving. 
I think in production terms, this is like a series of what ifs. And Barry Letts says it as well. Like if if the great Barry says, look, mm. we got it wrong here. The production isn't good enough. Then I'm there. Yeah. I agree. Is he? Yeah, it's just I, you could have. I know. Okay, this is my. You could have glass in those things i know they're supposed ah, to be in the prison yeah, yeah, but then yeah, you yeah. have glass and like put water put colored water or fish or something in it or some octopus or something and have it all moving in the background octopus. <laughs> hang on so you want glass water and an octopus okay this is not cheap yeah, anymore. Okay, this mate. is expensive okay or put like a fire put a fake fire or something around you know some light some moving light oh, yeah. Look, I, you know what omega looks great here well, the weird thing about that mask is it's expressive because when he's angry, it looks angry. And when he's sad, it looks sad. It's really good. It is Omega Eleganza, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what, he does a bit of sacheting. <laughs> it's like, you're going to take over the Antimatter Palace and don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but he's wearing this helmet, right? He's supposed to be like have a human face underneath, of isn't course. he? Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's alone in this palace. Why is he wearing that helmet? I mean, I wouldn't bother myself. Well, I think he knows he's a Doctor Who villain, so he's got to dress up for the occasion. You know? Oh, right. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's like why is the master a scarecrow in a field in Mark Rani? It makes no sense at all. Oh, George, you know? Yeah, yeah. Outside of like the visual impact of what it's doing. Mm. And, and, like, you know, I, I think it, Omega, like, he's this all-important being. That's a great line. I should have been a god. That's a big line, that. That's a classic, um, yeah. uh, Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, sorry. I figured that he was, like, a very pretty bloke, Omega. So he quite like, like, likes looking at his reflection. Right. Sorry, my cat is attacking me. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> The Time Lords have sent that cat to attack you because you were rude about them earlier. Timeless cat. The um, Timeless cat. <laughs> it's the pussy of Rassilon. <laughs> oh, stop! That sounds disgusting. Look, look at that chair. Look. That chair, yeah. It's very well, it's a theatrical chair, but it's not, right. you know. I've seen that in a few pantos, you know. How does anyone survive? of will. Mind, you might say, over anti-matter. He's a great actor as well, yeah. Stephen Thorne. And I think, uh, I, I'm not so sure about him in Hand of Fear, because I think he's a bit over the top in that. Oh, do you know, I was about to say I really liked him in Hand of Fear. Oh, I think I prefer him here. That bit where he screams, in, I think it's in this episode. Well, Eldrad. Oh, Eldrad. Sorry, my cat is just eating my Doctor Who television companion book. It's now in the pre doctor section. Your cat looks like it wants to kill you right now. <laughs> watch the three doctors. I love, I love this live podcasting malarkey. This is dramatic scene ah, between the, the Doctor and Omega and uh, my cat. <laughs> right, there I'm not sure what's more dramatic. Oh my god. <laughs> Mark versus Pussy or Omega versus the Doctor. <laughs> oh, okay, what's but this, um, I'm going to try and uh, bring this back to a semblance of normality. What's, what's that pink thing? That's his TV. Is it? Surrounded by the lovely next rocks. <laughs> I like marshmallows. Oh, I love marshmallows. 
Um, do you think uh, it was a good idea to mythologize the time laws like this to have Omega created like you know the guy who did the time travel experiments, the guy who uh, the cat's back, the guy who kind of set up Gallifreyan culture? I think it's about time that they explain some stuff. I mean, it's been, it's not like they did it first off. No. Um, and this is the perfect time to do it, the anniversary story, just to... I know, mean, it doesn't go... To, it just adds a little bit, a couple of layers. It doesn't go full... Yeah. Timeless children. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Although, I'd still say, Barry Letts should have, should have done that. Um, I think it's just enough, and it adds... It just adds something, especially as... Sorry, my cat again. I'm just gonna... um, <laughs> uh... <laughs> I've never seen a poor guest so so troubled by their by, by a pussy. <laughs> um, okay, what's occurring here? Sorry, I've lost track. Um, so the whole unit lab has landed in um, Omega Land, and the brigadier is convinced they're in Kroger for some reason. So you think we moved, is it? Oh, I'm quite sure we have. Benton handles his gun extremely adeptly, doesn't he? He loves that gun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is funny, the Brigadier's just... reaction. <laughs> it's at attention at all times. Yeah. See, when Katie Manning and Barry Letts are watching this with Nicholas Courtney on the commentary, Katie Manning is falling about at everything that uh, the Brigadier is doing. Like, she's, she thinks this is like comedy gold. And I don't think she's wrong. I think it is very funny. I just don't know if it, like, helps to convince that the story is a serious one or that there's a threat here, you know? Or maybe does it balance out those scenes between the Doctor and Omega a bit? You've got, oh maybe, you know, because you've had that quite intense explanation of everything, and then you cut back to this, and it's a bit more light and a bit. I mean, I've always said that the way in Doctor Who is by is the humour. That's one of the things that marks it out as being a bit different than like I don't know something like Blade Seven, which can be very po-faced at times, very serious. <laughs> Okay, are you ready for um, for another opinion from Twitter? Okay. Okay, right. So let's see. Who's after Lucy? Okay, so we have a comment here from... Oh, we've got a comment here from Antony Fletcher Goldspink, but all he's written is um, Mark's username, and I think that's because it's Mark Raw. <laughs> <laughs> he's, perturbed, he's, he's perturbed by your username on Twitter because it's Mark Raw. <laughs> you got a fan there, Mark. Um, I'll don't worry. I'll point him in the direction of your only fans. Um, Darren says it's a great story and one of my favourite classic stories. I wish we had seen more of Omega. This Omega, though, not the one that when they brought him back. I kind of agree with that, actually. Oh, absolutely, agree. yes, yeah. They should have kept this mask. Oh, I know. I wonder, I wonder if that's in an exhibition somewhere, or someone's got that mask. You should hope so. Do you remember that the auction they did of old Doctor Who props, the brain from mm. Time and the Rani, and the the baby from Delta and the Bannerman? Yeah, oh, they've got to have Omega's helmet somewhere. Uh, so Jason Thompson, who I was telling you about earlier, uh, the, the guy who's 
Lozzi's Astronomy, says it's great fun. Odd that it's always tooted as a 10th anniversary special when it actually started around the 9th anniversary. So it was more a celebration of reaching the 10th season uh, than a show that's been around for 10 years. Also, Stephen Forms' anguish scream as Omega uh, when he finds out he's no longer has physical uh, existence is really quite heartbreaking coming from a villain. Agreed. That's that is the the moment in this in this one for me. Yeah, I think the comment, the best comment, is still Mark's username. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> oh my god! I always, have, I always have so much fun when you do this. <clears throat> There's a, a, a comment from the short one that says it always makes me think of the Radio Times special, which is somewhere in the house in terrible condition because little me didn't know the meaning of collectibles. Oh, oh I, I, you hear a lot about that that special, that magazine. Did it have like all the episode guides so far and everything? Yeah, and it was yeah, a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I relate to that. Um, obviously, I wasn't around at the time, uh, but in the nineties, <laughs> I had the dimensions age, in time. Right? I had the dimensions in time radio times, <laughs> and in that had you know all the different. Uh, sort of monsters and stuff and little information i used to read that all the time and i've still got it look and i'm gonna getting, be i'm gonna be up front signed by all the doctors oh you are what even the dead ones well no well no so i've got tom baker sylvester mccoy and colin baker i just need peter davison now to sign it uh, and it's in it's falling apart it's you know i'm gonna be honest with you though i think the three doctors 10th anniversary radio time special may be worth more money than your dimensions in time one <laughs> Well, it's Dimension Sign One is worth more in sentimentality. That's me. right. Well, all the signatures will the signatures will add value, though they do. Mm. Well, no, I mean I, I've, they've put two mark, so it's only going to be for me. I, I'm going to get you to sign something of mine when I see you. You know, <laughs> I'll sign it, Mark Raw. <laughs> mark Raw. <laughs> oh. oh. If you haven't got an, if you haven't got an OnlyFans, you're gonna start one tonight. Now you, you know you've got an audience. Okay, what's going on, on the screen? So Omega is having a bit of a stress. Um, he's getting more and more angry. You could call that that this story that Omega has a bit of a stress. <laughs> Why is he angry? Um, oh, they well, ref they refuse to take part. I think they don't want to. They don't want his position. <laughs> There's Mr. Ollis. <laughs> Mr. Ollis wandering around this. Uh, I mean, oh, he probably God. thinks he's been in Chroma the whole time. Yeah. Okay, so Ollis and the Brigadier have now joined forces. It's so random, isn't it? I mean, you wouldn't think that the Second Doctor and Benton would have so much screen time. I just want you to think about the, the potential spin-off series, Ollis and the Brig. Ollis and the Brig, yeah. And then at the, um, Mrs. Ollis at the end is always like, where have you been? <laughs> Every time Every he's single, like, that's how it finishes. you never believe me. Is it Jam Roly-Poly tonight? <laughs> yeah, then it's you have been watching. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas Courtney, and, oh my God. This stuff just writes itself. <clears throat> okay. Have you been Ollis? No. Oh. Have you been Ollis? <laughs> Quite a few times, actually. <laughs> Why are you offering? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm too, very seriously. I'm taking this very seriously. Okay. 
So the two doctors are now um, collaborating. Having Tyler in the mix is such a random extra person as well, isn't it? Well, there's no time for Jamie, but we've got Tyler. Exactly. <gasps> Wait. Okay, so Benson could have been Jamie, and Tyler could have been Liz Shaw. <gasps> that would oh, that would have tied in really well as an sort of anniversary a, thing. She's a scientist. Although, yeah, or Zoe as well for the intelligence stuff. But yeah, you know no, I do. It would have been so good to have Liz just pop up. Like in um, Day of the Doctor when Peter Capaldi's terrifying eyes turn up at the end. I'd have Sarah Jane Smith before the Time Warrior turn up just to do a story. <gasps> Interviewing Mrs. Ollis. There you go. Like I said, this stuff writes itself. <clears throat> ah, see, now this is an episode three exposition scene. Yeah. And I always feel these are at their best when you've got a handful of well-defined characters um, delivering the information that you need to push the plot onwards, but all kind of um, with distinct personalities and generally with some conflict as well. And they've got all of that here. Yeah, true. Yeah. Usually in a prison cell as well, these things take place. Oh, look, he's telling the, the history of the time dolls here. Omega provided that energy by a fantastic feat of solar engineering. We thought he was destroyed. His imprisonment was the price of our freedom to travel in time. His imprisonment was the price. Sorry, I'm just reading it out now. How do you... <laughs> I've got the subtitles on. Oh, right. I was like, how do you know this off by heart? <laughs> there are some really funny lines in this. Do you remember that earlier on when Joe's like, and we were all together? Goo -goo -goo -goo? <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <sighs> What do you think of her outfit in this? Um, I think, um, so what happened was Orville, do you remember Orville, the character? The, the oh, puppet? Yes. So he dyed his fur blue and then Joe murdered him and made that coat out of him. It looks like it, doesn't it? I'm, it's not, I'm not a huge fan of that particular I, outfit. I just think she looks like a big chicken. Well, it stands out in a quarry. I suppose that was the idea. It certainly does. So what they're doing? Oh, right. so they. Oh, okay. So if they've got such strong will as Time Lords, they're going to create a door. But you know what? As usual, they create the most boring-looking door you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not like even like a cool space door. No. It's a door. Although it's blue, it's a bit tardisy. Do you remember that fantastic airlock door in Mind Warp? You know, you know, oh, the, yes. the big round one the, with the big... Yeah, yeah. Imagine if they conjured that up. That would be impressive. That would blow the whole budget. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, famously, that door was paid more than Nicola Bryan, so... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this door was paid more than anybody, though. No, not at all. That was just what we got lying around. You know, there's a very odd thing about it. Whenever they go out in the corridors, the music always goes like... Well, that's I feel like that's all you know, the crystally blobby, you know, crystally blobby music I suite. I think it isn't accentuates it? the fact that it feels like a pantomime. Oh, there is. Do you not? Know, do you not think there's something very comforting about dramatic Dudley Simpson music? Dun 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 dun. <laughs> He's loving doing this one. He's having a great time. I don't know what, I think one of the uh, jail guard operators turned up in I Was the Doctor Who Monster, you know, lamenting the fact that that was a difficult costume to wear. Well, yeah, did you notice it's not even a smooth floor? I think there was a little step to go over there. Aye. Just that staircase there. 
I was watching a video of wedding fails the other day, and some a woman came down a, a staircase like that and fell down in front of all the guests. <laughs> <laughs> it was bloody hilarious. Oh, okay. Can I read something from the Target novel? Because we're okay, heading yeah. into the singularity room. Okay. Okay. Doctor Two. He's called Doctor Two in the book. Doctor mm-hmm. Two looked. They were in the in another of the great chambers, smaller in diameter than the entrance, but far, far higher. In the centre, an enormous pillar of fire rose like a colossal fountain, disappearing into the recesses of the roof. Its ever-changing lights made flickering patterns on the polished brazen walls. They were at the flame of singularity. Mm, not exactly what we have here. Well, it just looks like a hole in the floor with a bit of steam coming out of it. I think I saw that at the Science Museum once. Although they've tried, you know, they've lit some, you know, red in the, but you know, they made it a little bit different there. That's interesting. You're trying, Mark, aren't you? You're trying. <laughs> but, you know, you've got Stephen Fawn giving it all there. Um, I hate to say this, though, but, but from that camera angle, you can actually see his mouth moving inside the mask. Yeah, I just noticed that, yeah. Oh, I thought he didn't have a mouth. Exactly, yeah. Well, he's, he's thinking of one. Oh, see, look, suddenly we're on film, okay? in this dark scary realm and it looks really good it looks so good but on film yeah you, what you said about turning the lights off it's all black and it's really good that's all they needed to do i mean i'd rather them walking around these black corridors of lot of nothing than have those cut outs oh look at all that creme brulee i think those jail guards put it on film in a black room with some light on it those jail guards would be terrifying I think terrifying might be a stretch. Okay. Um, yeah. More atmospheric, more, more. I don't know what the right word is. And you could have them sort of um, people in sort of blobby onesie, sort of half form, so they're all different shapes, like half a person, a full blob, half a bit of a blob. You I'm know, starting to wonder if you of... should be a director, you know. <laughs> oh, I love this. Look. They, they see us over the, the, the outside from the inside. <laughs> I mean, that's so cute because they've actually taken those doors into a quarry, look, and they're massive. Okay. I mean, imagine, right? Just imagine you were just taking a stroll for a quarry. I don't know why you'd do that, but imagine you were, and you saw this occurring. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like, What's going on? What the bloody hell did I drink last night? I get, I get um, Time and Rani vibes from that entrance in the rock face a little bit. Uh, but like by the time you get to Time and the Rani, uh, they've kind of perfected those kind of practical effects, haven't they? Uh, I'm not sure if the scripting's any better in Time and the Rani, but they've perfected the effects. Mm. Well, here we are, yeah. yeah, I love this stuff. It looks really good. And look at how it's lit as well, like in the different colours. Slow motion. Do you think that's Terry, never got Terry the, um, from above? Yeah, they never got the stunt wig quite right. Yeah. So that—that's what the dark side of Omen looks like. Kind of a what? I mean, I'm not entirely sure what it looks like—a fish man, <laughs> fishy, scully thing. Oh, it's um. <laughs> You better watch out, Mark, otherwise you will face the dark side of my mind. 
I'm not sure what's there, but you really don't want to see it, honestly. <laughs> it's a recreation of that story we talked about earlier. <laughs> oh, the poor Time Lords, look, they haven't paid their electricity bill. Oh, it's so nice to see William Hartnell. I know, it's such a shame, isn't it? And and did you notice he was in black and white there as well? And that just looks mm. that just looks right, you know. Yeah, which is I, weird I because think he, there was a scene where he just stood in the TARDIS with them. Yeah, I know. just to see him there in color on the TARDIS set in just with them. Frankly, mm. you know, this is so good. I could just episode four could just be these two fighting in slow motion. I'll be very happy. <laughs> I, don't know, I get a little, It does go on a little bit. And I don't then, think I could watch 25 minutes of this grappling. And then, I, mean, uh, <laughs> and then, it, I can be in the dark side of your mind. <laughs> I don't want to see these two. <laughs> well, what's in the dark side of your mind then? <laughs> well, not them two on the floor. Two the men floor. having a sweaty ball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that was another good cliffhanger, though. Yeah, great. Yeah, and you, as um, Mary Whitehouse would say, you've got that image in your head for a whole week. Do the voice. <laughs> to me, it's, it's brilliant. It's, people couldn't have extended their awareness, not only to their cameras, but to the effect on the children at home. Do you remember that that interview? Yeah. She goes, uh, it's almost as if they were a bit dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that Thirty Years in the TARDIS documentary is fabulous, isn't it? That's really, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, they, they even get Caroline Ford to act. 